shit that scares us. A podcast about scary stuff. Ah. Hey everybody, welcome back to another week of shit that scares us. It's me, Brett, and me, Vic. <laughs> we hope you're doing well today. It's a full moon. I'm recording under the 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 guise of nighttime. I don't know if guise was the right word there. The the mysterious nature of the night right now, whereas Victoria is it's still daytime for you, yeah? Although it's probably getting darker. Uh it's it's about like five o'clock in the evening and uh the room is getting darker, so I guess as we go on with our stories, I'm probably gonna shit myself a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> if you were here for last week's episode, you'll know that Vic is afraid of the dark, so that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's been a week, mate. It's been a week. It's been oh such God, a busy tell me about week. It. I feel like it's bl- I've blinked and it's just disappeared. Hey. Oh God, I spent my entire so it was a long week, uh, long weekend here in New Zealand, um, because it was Anzac Day for us, mm. and um, also Canadians too. I think you guys are part of mm-hmm. Anzac as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so um, basically it was a long weekend here. Uh, we had Monday off. But I spent most of my weekend cleaning because our lovely property manager decided to um, basically uh, do an inspection on Tuesday. So today, this morning. So we basically spent most of our weekend cleaning the house. Not that it was like filthy, but obviously like, you know, you want to make it like perfect. So you get a good inspection. Yeah. Seems kind so, of weird yeah. to do like a, a an inspection right after a long weekend where everyone's well, Apparently they emailed us, but I never got anything because I get all the emails um, for the flat. And then they realize, oh, sorry, yeah, we actually didn't send it through. Here's the email now. <laughs> that seems like it might be illegal, but, you know. I mean, <laughs> like, technically, they have to give us 48 hours, which they did, but still, like, bit dicky, uh, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, a little bit sus. They're a bit yeah. sus, hey? Kind of, kind of ruined my day. But anyway, onwards and Love upwards. <laughs> Renting life, you know, noodles in the cupboard, you, you know, you've, you, your roommates brought back some stranger you've never met before. Someone's <laughs> Thank drunk God on I've couch. never had that flooding experience. Like maybe hoarding bottles of red wine and the yeah. noodles, but thankfully no random strangers. <laughs> yeah, you're lucky you never had that flooding experience. I don't, I did, I did. I lived with like seven dudes at one point when I was, I was with my partner and he lived with a bunch of his friends. Um, and there was a lot of weed on the counter. Oh my god, yes, no. Like, I mean, I'm all for recreation, like, do what you want, but personally, I don't do that anymore. Like, I'm not, I'm not just, no. And I've got a fur baby, it's not good for them. I'm just, yeah, I'm, no thanks. <laughs> you're an adult, you're an adult responsible parent now. Exactly. Furry child. <laughs> I don't need, like, sips called on my poor fur child and her taken oh away god. because. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I would like go into the kitchen and like try to make some pasta or something, and I'd go and look on the bench, and there'd just be chopped weed everywhere. And I don't partake, yeah, in any of that. So I don't barely even drink anymore, to be completely honest. Oh, same, um, man. Right? I don't know what it is. I, I think feel fresh I just, though. Yeah, I think it's just like you get to that point in your life where you're like, I've already done it all. Like, it's not really gonna be any more exciting than what it was. Like, I think mm. I'll probably drink maybe Christmas, my birthday, and then maybe, like, on social occasions if they arise. But other than that, I do not pour myself a bottle of wine at home. I just chill. Yeah. 
I, I feel like as soon as I have one drink, I become this kind of like fuzzy, sort of blurred edge version of myself. And I don't feel like I add value to any conversation when I'm like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. fair enough. So like, I, I mean, if you, yeah. if you don't feel like you're being your best self when you're doing that, then what's the point? Exactly. I kind of like to be able to like watch things and like remember the night and kind of be able to just like analyze what's happening i don't know if yeah, that's just like or a just like enjoy <laughs> enjoy like people's company instead of being like did i actually did i imagine that person or did i talk to that person <laughs> mm, for sure in terms of watching this week uh i i know that both of us are watching shadow and bone well oh i've seen all of it i've finished <laughs> it just I, I fucking watched it <gasps> have you seen it all i've seen it all i've watched it in like yes. literally a night <laughs> Okay, no spoilers because it's very early, but yeah. um, I will tell you right now that having read the books, um, the Shadow and Bone trilogy, it is entirely different from the books. It So I was so thrilled because I was like consistently surprised throughout. Um, I like some characters in the TV show way better than I liked them in the books, which is super interesting. I did not like Mal in the books as a character, um, but I love him in the TV show, so... I, I really, really honestly enjoyed it. Um, I have actually been doing like a little bit of reading into it as well um, behind the scenes and just some of the things that um, have kind of like, I guess, happened. Uh, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't seen it yet, but I, yeah, highly recommend. I haven't read the books, but mm-hmm. holy crap, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I actually want to go read the books now. So if you okay here is my tip my one of my favorite relationships in the entire shadow and bone universe is uh that of nina and matthias Uh, um and if you want to know way more about their relationship and sort of like see more about that journey in particular you should read crooked not crooked kingdom sorry six of crows which is the original book in which you'll meet the crows this isn't a spoiler but the crows aren't in the original books about shed like the original shadow and bone books so that's all like written into the storyline their whole storyline that doesn't exist in the books which is just insane to me anyway uh what have you been watching like in terms of like true have you watched any true crime stuff this week yeah um so i watched uh the Ted Bundy tapes. I really enjoyed that crime doco. Um, I haven't been in like a very like absorb content mood this week, to be completely honest. I've slowed down aside from Shadow and Bone. I think I was like really waiting for that show to come out because I have oh, been because yes. I'm a big fan of the book. So I did that thing where I like, like I just absolutely have gone into a rut of consuming content and actually my safety like show that I'm watching right now, you know how you kind of like watch something and then you have to take a break and, and do something comfortable for a bit. I've been yeah. watching The O.C. again, which is just uh, crazy. No. Classic. I'm on season two and I absolutely love it. I uh, didn't realize how like entrenched some of those episodes were in my memory until I started re-watching it. And I was like, fire out, man. I Gossip know Girl's my heart. safety show. I Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I've re-watched it so many times and each time I hate it more and more, but I still can't stop. So today we are doing something that this was Tor's idea. This this episode this week was something that Vic wanted to do. Um, I agreed because it's a great idea, but I know for a fact that she's going to be the star of the show today because I know she has a very great topic. How do you feel about today's episode? I I'm really stoked. So um, today's episode is like true crime, um, not any particular topic in general, um, but just basically 
any, I guess, uh, you know, real nasty grizzly murder over the centuries. Um, and my chosen topic, uh, I'm actually, this is kind of messed up, but I mean, I'm a morbid person. We're, we've already discovered that, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, my topic is the Black Dahlia, um, mm. which is quite a famous, famous uh, murder. And um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I have always kind of had an interest in it. Um, I've always, like, you know when you're on YouTube and you go down the rabbit hole and you just click a whole bunch of, that's, that's oh, kind of yeah. what happens with me when I see something on the Black Dahlia. I'm like, ooh, new information. Let's have a look at this. So I have gone really in depth um, and tried to cover as much as possible. And I hope you guys enjoy it. So I'm really excited for this. I'm going to settle in. Just give me a second. Let All me right. just wiggle down into this chair. Get yourself I am ready. And we're going to start the story. So Elizabeth Short, also known as the Black Dahlia, was an American woman who was found murdered in the neighborhood of Lamert Park, Los Angeles, in 1947. Due to the graphic nature of her murder, the case was highly publicized. Short spent her early life in Medford, Massachusetts, and Florida before relocating to California, where her father lived. It is commonly held... That short was an inspi- uh, was an aspiring actress, though there's no record of any acting jobs or credits from her time in Los Angeles. Anyway, Short's body was discovered by Betty Bursinger on a morning walk near Norton Ave, Los Angeles. The body was cut in half, completely drained of blood, and at first sight, Betty Bursinger mistook the corpse for a mannequin. The body had been cut completely in half by a technique taught in the 1930s called hemicorpertonomy. The mm. lower half of her body had been re- removed by transecting the lumbar spine between the second and third lumbar vertebrae. The report noted very little bruising had occurred along the incision line, suggesting that it had been performed after her death. That's disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. But it gets worse. The marks on her wrists, neck, and legs also suggested that she had been bound. And unfortunately tortured. Um, Mm. Her skull was not fractured, but there was bruising noted on the front and right side of her scalp. There was a small amount of bleeding um, in the subarcoid space on the right side, consistent with blows to the head. Uh, the face cut from ear to ear, leaving a... Oh, my God. I know. She was honestly mutilated. It's so... This is why it was so... Um, it was in the, like, in the press for, like, a solid month. Like, just... It was that, I guess, graphic and such a blow for the community um, that this happened to someone. But, yeah. So, um, her face uh, cut from ear to ear, leaving a ever-present haunting smile. Honestly, it's just... Some of the wait, wait, wait. So they joke at like joke at her essentially. Essentially, they joke at her before I guess jokering was a thing. Right. That's yeah. The first. Fucked. Yeah. Um, the cause of death was determined to be hemorrhaging from the lacerations to her face um, and the blows to her head. So yeah, blunt force trauma basically and hemorrhaging. The report noted that trauma to oh this is this is the worst part. Like I mean, okay, all of it's already pretty bad. Furious. Yeah, so this is this is really bad. So trigger warning, um, uh, mentions of sexual assault. I'm really sorry. Um, 
so the report also noted that there was trauma to her um, behind, her butt, mm-hmm. um, which suggested that uh, she may have been sexually assaulted. Um, those samples were taken. Uh, the results came back negative um, for semen or anything like that. So um, those were inconclusive, but it was suggested that she was uh, actually, um, unfortunately, sexually assaulted. assaulted. Yeah. Right. Um with there being no blood on the ground surrounding the body at the actual crime scene, um, it was clear that she had been murdered elsewhere and the body had been moved to its current location. Nine days after the body's discovery, a letter was received by the examiner, um, Los Angeles examiner's office, uh, addressed in a ransom note type fashion with letters cut out from random ads spelling out the, um, I guess, uh, message of, of the note and the note read here are dahlia's belongings true enough the contents of this envelope contained snapshots a birth certificate an old address book with pages missing and um these artifacts had been rubbed with the gasoline so that um any fingerprints that had been on these would be removed so the killer was covering his tracks in all 13 letters were sent to the police and the press during this period and they did however discover some fingerprints on one of the letters uh, but unfortunately the FBI did not have this fingerprint in their database so when they tried to compare mm. it there was nothing to compare it to and obviously during that time the you know that, um, that happens so much hey with it's that. so sad like they've got this evidence and they can't use it you know so yeah unfortunately they They didn't get anywhere with that one. So going back to Short, before coming to LA, Short had spent time with a man called Robert Mainly. He was the one that drove her to LA and checked her in to the Biltmore Hotel. Many reports state that the hotel is the last place that Short was seen alive. Fun fact, that hotel is supposedly haunted. Right, Um, of course. Of course, you got to have a bit of haunting in every story. The hotel claims that Short has been seen roaming the 10th and 11th floors in a black dress. And that's about it. That's that's kind of all they've said on it. Basically, she haunts the place, so to speak. Mm. Though after being dropped at the hotel, Short did go to the Crown Grill Bar, which most considered to be the actual true last place she was seen alive. The case has officially been unsolved for the last 70-odd years, and it's not short of suspects. 75 men from her address book were found and questioned. The ones I'm going to mention next are the ones that I think are the main suspects. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, the first suspect being Robert Mainly. Um, unfortunately, though, his alibi being that he'd returned to San Diego and had been back about a week before uh, Short's body was discovered. So, technically, he wasn't even in LA at the time of her murder and her um, discovery. He also mm-hmm. had passed a polygraph test... Um, though, in my opinion, I don't really trust them. I guess you can cheat them. It's also worth mentioning um, that years later, in 54, he was committed to an institution due to him hearing voices. Now, i just like to point out that because someone has a mental illness does not mean that they are a potential killer. But it should be noted that, you know, he had some things affecting him. Anyway, uh, suspect number two is Officer Joseph Dumas. He'd gone out drinking with Short a few days before her discovery. He claims to have been blackout drunk with Short. 
and when he was asked if he'd killed her, he pled guilty, but evidence later ruled him out, as turns out he was on his military base at the time of her death, so goes to show. Don't overdo it with the alcohol, guys. And then thirdly is George Hodel. He owned a home in LA and had a secret room within that home that the children were not allowed to go into. I think this house that um, I found in the article was actually, like, has actually made an appearance on uh, Ghost Adventures as well. I'm pretty sure that they did an episode on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Steve Hodel is George Hodel's son. He was five at the time of Short's death. And years later, Steve became an investigator with the police. And he himself is actually convinced that his father is the real killer of um, Elizabeth Short. Mm. And Steve's case, which he's made many times, I'm sure you can find the articles and videos on YouTube, but Steve's case um, against his father is that his father was highly intelligent, studied surgery, Um, in medical school and uh, also ran the LA County's venereal disease clinic so he basically was capable of the surgical disembowelment and mutilation that um, Elizabeth Short's body suffered. Steve also has found um, a few images that appear to be of Short in his father's possession. The image was examined well the images were examined by a foreseenic artist at the time which claimed um initially that the image was 85 percent not short though in 2014 a different expert um used facial recognition technology and got a 90 to 95 percent match wow it's crazy how different that is like yeah so kind of really two conflicting things but i guess with facial recognition technology i mean we Mm. use it um pretty often today so i i have a fair i guess feeling that it's relatively accurate so Mm. yeah steve also believed that his father's handwriting was eerily similar to that of the murderer when compared to the letters that the um examiner's office and the police received wait so did the police receive letters that actually had handwriting as well not just like the cut out letter things yes yes apparently i know it's it's kind of confusing because i was assuming that um Mm. some of them uh, were just all cut out but no some some were letters and then others were um actually handwritten so yeah no i can see where people would get confused there sorry my bad <laughs> no 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 that's not that's not you it's just like interesting to think that a person who has like one sort of mo would like cross over and like do different i'll see things. if i can find the image um because there was i think it might actually still be on the fbi page but there is an image of the actual handwriting from one of the letters so i'll see if i can grab that and stick it in oh, yeah. with our um instagram feed post oh, so, yeah. we're gonna have a crap ton of pictures for this week's episode i know oh yeah sure. there's gonna be so many pictures i think i might <laughs> actually split it up into two posts depending on how many there are um mm. anyway going back to the story so number four george hodel was actually also accused by his daughter of sexual assault um, oh my god what the yeah, fuck so it's he's wrong already, with people he's already technically got a history of being a dodgy bastard and <laughs> even his me. own daughter is like accusing him um, oh my god, that's fucked, mate. That's fucked up. What it's it's freaking awful. Um, so one of the videos that I found uh, on YouTube goes into detail saying that um, not only did he assault his daughter, he gave her to his friends. Mind you, she oh was like 14, 15 at the time. So she's a child. Um, 
she uh, was forced to pose uh, naked for artists while she was 12. Like, just awful stuff. This guy is, he's sick. He's honestly sick. Fucked up. Um, uh, Steve also suggests that his father is responsible for another murder of a woman by the name of Jean French. This occurred a mere three weeks after Short's murder on the 10th uh, of Feb 1947. Like Short, French received, blunt, uh, French received blunt force trauma to the head and her body was oddly posed and discovered in a vacant lot with the initial BD, thought to stand for Black Dahlia, written on her abdomen in red lipstick. This lettering also matched George's writing. So again, we've got lettering matching the suspect like i mean mm. at this point it's pretty freaking clear yeah i mean even the police at this point they did suspect george um and they had put listening devices in his home oh shit <laughs> they actually have on tape uh, george saying supposedly i did kill the black dahlia they couldn't prove it they can't talk to my secretary anymore she's dead i just took a sip of water and i almost did a spit take <laughs> oh bud if you're trying to clear yourself just just i, I mean know. one don't kill anyone but two <laughs> like, just, just i mean he, he actually even um made the claim saying you know like i that this is the best police cover-up ever um and that uh you know he wants i guess um like a contact within the department so he can passes compliments or something like that so yeah on a side note the police were very corrupt at this time and the case was eventually dropped even though george was becoming a clear suspect for murder this also explains when all the evidence magically vanished so everything that they had on file for george magically disappeared so some i guess must have been saved by other departments but a a whole lot of it uh disappeared so that even looks sketchy yeah, that's um, so sketch. It's rumoured that George even paid off the police, which could be a possibility, or um, it could also just be plain police incompetence of why this happened. But I mean, Probably that's... a mixture of everything, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, it should be noted that Steve returned to his childhood home years later with a cadaver dog, which indicated to the scent of human remains... Soil samples were acquired from the alley behind the house where the scent was located. These samples came back positive for human remains. What the fuck? So the, the dog's like, y'all, I'll just fix this for you real quick. I got the yeah. best nose in the biz. Like, just one, one second. Exactly. Like. So, though this doesn't directly link to uh, Dahlia as she wasn't buried, it does make it clear that George... Hodel was probably not a stranger to murder. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Short's unsolved murder and the details surrounding it have a have had a lasting and cultural intrigue. Her murder is frequently cited as one of the most famous unsolved murders in American history, as well as one of the oldest unsolved cases in Los Angeles County. I just want to make a very important note here that out of respect for the dead, I will not be posting any of the crime scene pictures of Elizabeth Short because they are really graphic and really horrible. Um, And unfortunately, at the time, uh, the police, I guess, didn't have an understanding of (laughs) 
um, yeah, they did covering they like, a. Cover, fuck, they, they yeah, I think there's only one sucked. image where they covered her, and but otherwise she was oh, left out yuck. in the open for everyone to see, until they removed so her remains. Inappropriate. <laughs> so don't bad. Google those either. So, no, yeah, don't um, do it. I mean, please, please don't Google them because they are quite awful. Yeah, yeah, I just wouldn't recommend it. You know, that's kind of stuff you can't unsee. Like, and also, that's something so personal. Like, I to that person you know yeah like, yeah it's and just... so many people have seen it and i don't think you need to like add any views to that out of respect for them like tor said respect for the dead the police really did suck they really i mean they still suck to be completely honest oh, in yeah, many no, cases fully, fully sucked like real shit job there that's for sure la had a real shit show of a lot of stuff in the 70s specifically as well oh honestly My la for a long time like was you know i mean think of the um Oh god, is it the Night Stalker? Night Stalker? Like just fuck. One thing after the next, that was, man. That was terrifying because he had no mo. Like he had an mo, but he didn't have a specific um, victim in mind. Like it was literally anyone. Mm. Oh, oh, elderly men, elderly women, young women, like children. He like assaulted a young child. Like it, he just had no like specificity which made him so scary to so many people right yeah because usually like you can find a pattern but he had no pattern Mm. it's just like everyone and everything i feel like um we always seem to sync up when it comes to stories because i knew the black dahlia case but i didn't know know it like i kind of knew what i knew it was a missing person not missing persons but unsolved uh, murder but I didn't know like a lot about it. Um, and mm. I chose an unsolved disappearance today. Oh, al- yes. Along with an unsolved murder. So. I love it. You're giving me both. Uh, Christmas. Yeah, Christmas. <laughs> so today we are going to Eastbourne, Sussex. Um, it is regarded as one of the safest places to live in the UK. But unfortunately, it happens to be where a young woman named Louise K. Louise K. Um, disappeared. So the year is 1988. 18-year-old Louise uh, is going out with her friends. Her family describes her as happy, you know, like smiling, always bubbly. Oh, I, I think yeah. I know this case. You might know it because there's a television show about it and you may have seen it. Yes, um, yes. It yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah. It, Sorry, it is. No, it's very and you'll see why. There's a lot of interweaving sort of situations with this. Um and uh, it's ongoing, so it's probably been talked about. Um so Louise is a you know, she's outgoing, she's bubbly. Um and on the twenty third of June, nineteen eighty eight, Louise decides to go out with her friends, right? She's at her house and then she leaves for the night. Apparently, her dad says that she waved goodbye at the edge of the garden uh, to both of her parents. So Louise was out with a bunch of her friends. Um, one of her best friends, Sarah, was there with her. So the television show that talks about this is The Investigator, a British crime story. Um, and in that, there is an interview with uh, Louise's best friend, Sarah, Sarah says that that night that they went out, Louise was fine. She was chatting to everybody. She was socializing, you know, with the group. The group itself had a few drinks together. You know, it was the 80s. There was probably like a lot of shoulder pads and a hairspray involved and like crazy lasers and the disco and that kind of thing. Um, And so in the early hours of the morning, the group, after having spent some time out, got into Louise's car 
um, and they drove basically to drop people home. So herself and Sarah were the last people in the car. They return to Sarah's house after they've dropped everybody off. Sarah invites Louise inside um, and Louise is just very adamant that she doesn't want the night to be over. She wants to uh, she wants to go out and she wants to stay at Beachy Head, which is kind of like a hotspot, I imagine, for teenagers or it's a hotspot for people who want to see the ocean and stuff like that. Um, I think it was their like kind of hangout. I think they had spent the previous night sleeping in Louise's car there. So I think it's something they did quite a bit. Mm. Um, and Beachy Head is this like it. You should search a picture of it if you feel like it, but it's this incredible like chalk headland, just this big, enormous cliff, like right on the ocean. It's absolutely beautiful. So I can, I can understand why, you know, if you love the outdoors and this is the town that you grew up in and you've been to this beach a million times, when you finally get your car as a teenager, you know, it's exciting to go spend the night in the car out there. You know, people do it all the time in vans and stuff like that. So Louise's van life. Yeah, exactly. Living that van life, that V-dub life. Um, so Louise is just <laughs> adamant that she doesn't want to come inside. She doesn't want the night to be over. She tells Sarah that she wants to go and sleep at Beachy Head. And Sarah speaks in- to this in the interview. She says, you know, she she can tried to convince Louise to come inside. She really didn't think it was a good idea that she went. Um, but, but Louise was being very, very stubborn about this. So, you know, she drives off. She apparently goes to Beachy Head. Uh, This is what she says she's going to do. However, the next day, you know, Louise and her car have vanished. And they've never been seen again. Sarah says in this interview that it's the biggest regret of her life. And that it will always be the biggest regret of her life. Um, So terrible. She, you know, she's now in her 40s, I believe. You know, they were young kids when this first happened. So Luisa's mum, Sylvia, after her disappearance, after Luisa's disappearance, she took on this task of finding her daughter, right? She keeps a diary for 29 years of every single important piece of information that she finds out, that she researches. Unfortunately, Sylvia passed... That's dedication as a parent. That's like... Yeah, and she passes away uh, before any new information could be brought to light. Really tragic. She never, you know, she never found out what happened to her daughter. What's super interesting about this case, however, and this is how I came to hear about it, is that it's recently been featured on a television show in which Mark Allen William, Williams Thomas, or just Mark Williams Thomas, hyphenated last name between William uh, Williams and Thomas, who is an English investigative journalist and former police officer, looks into this disappearance it's on netflix i mentioned the title before it's so far really really good and very very complex i won't be able to cover as much information as he does in this but uh this is this is what i this is what i came up with so i'm going to be pulling a lot from this television show because there is shit all about this anywhere else he is honestly just blaze the trail when it comes to this case so in the show um there is a scene where Mark Williams Thomas looks through the diary that Sylvia Kay kept and he he sort of brings a few things to attention. So in this diary, Sylvia mentions that they consistently checked, you know, in the future to see if Louise had remarried, you know, if she had applied for passports. Um, and he also finds that there was a, an encounter taken down from, I think, her friends. Sylvia had talked to some of Louise's friends. 
Um, and the encounter was that they had met the Scottish man who had given Louise some money to fill the car that she was driving. The car she was driving was her father's Ford Fiesta. Um, so she fills this car with gas from the money this guy gives her. Um, and this leaves the car with a lot more gasoline in it than her family and I think investigators initially um, imagined she had. So, you know, obviously when a car has more gas, it can be driven it further go, away yeah, yeah, further, yeah, from where it belongs, right? So that obviously is something that made them concerned that, you know, she'd gone further away or something like that. This car itself is like a very confusing piece of the puzzle, right? Because it's one thing for a person to disappear. Uh, it's another for a, an entire car to completely disappear, right? So there, ha- there are things that have to happen. You can't just leave a car, you know, in the bush. Someone's probably going to see it. You can't just leave a car on the side of the road. Someone's going to see it, right? Um, mm. It's actually probably easier in some ways to lose a person than it is to lose a car, I would say. So this car becomes like this kind of feature. So Sussex police open an investigation. Um, They eventually rule out this Scottish person that gives money. But in 2007, another Scotsman is identified as a a subject. This man is a convicted murderer. His name is Peter Tobin. I watched this video clip of him and he's this just this nasty angry looking guy there's actually this one clip of him in this uh in the episode of the tv show um that the first episode i think where he's led out of a building in handcuffs and of course photographers are snapping pictures of him for the newspaper or whatever and he kicks like yeah he like kicks out at one of them or like knees them before he's put in the van so he's just malicious and so aggressive yeah i fully know where we are now oh my god yes yeah Yeah. Horrible human. Yeah, absolutely. He just looks nasty. Like his just his facial expression you expression, you just know that he's just a bad, bad man. So Peter Tobin is a serial killer. He is convicted of three murders, and he's believed to be responsible for more. Oh my god. In two thousand and seven, he was convicted of the murder of twenty three year old Angelica Cluck. Two further victims were found at his home in Margate on the south coast of England. They were Vicky Hamilton, Dynamic Nickel. Having seen the pictures of these girls, my first thoughts were basically they're so young. Um and they actually all kind of look a little bit similar. Uh so Dinah specifically was murdered in nineteen ninety one and that was three years after Louise disappeared. Um, and I believe that Dinah was murdered about six months after Vicky was was killed as well. So in interviews, Peter um, Tobin is just so aggressive. There's clips of uh, investigators asking him about his involvement in in these mis- in the missing persons case of Louise because investigators are like, this guy, it could be him. Uh, we think it's probably him. Um, in, in interviews, he's just, like, really aggressive. He outright f- refuses to give any information when he's asked about his involvement. So they, they outright say, what's your involvement? Uh, have you killed anyone else? And basically, he says, go waste your money, and that he couldn't give a fuck. So he's telling police to just fuck off, essentially. And Peter Tobin himself, before he was captured for, you know, his crimes, was always moving. Apparently, he had a number of different uh, names that he went by. He'd also been in trouble in the past for theft, fraud, 
violent sexual offenses. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Angelica's um, murder, which is just so fucked up. So in 2006, Peter Tobin was working in a church in Glasgow as a handyman, and he was working under an alias, um, one of many, I imagine. And one afternoon, Angelica offered to help him. She was a Polish student. She was working in the church. She was sending money back to her family in Poland. Uh, they're working together, I believe, in one of the sort of like sheds or the back rooms. Um, and Tobin takes this opportunity, absolutely just fucks her trust, assaults her. He um, stabs her a number of times. And by I say assault, I mean that he beats her and then sexually assaults her. After he's done this, he drags her onto a tarpaulin and basically moves her body into the church underneath the floorboards, I think. Um, one of the detectives that put put Tobin away says that he left her there like rubbish. Oh, God. Terrible. Apparently, after he commits this crime, he goes back to where he killed Angelica and he cleans up his mess. And later on, they find the like investigators find him hiding in a hospital under a fake name. Investigators also say that there was apparently evidence, and this is how he ties to Luis. Apparently, there was evidence that Tobin was working in a hotel in Eastbourne, so in the place that Sarah was disappeared from. Sorry, uh, Luis disappeared from. He was working in a hotel. And apparently there was a tip that he was selling a hand-painted car, a small one, around the time that Luis disappeared. Apparently, Tobin dealt in cars very extensively. He delivered cars for an auction company, which meant that he was always on the move, driving cars from place to place. He also had links to scrapyards, and generally, because he traveled under aliases, he was a very, very difficult person to trace. I recommend that you go and watch this interview, like this this. TV show because there are some really exclusive interviews, one of which is this interview with Tobin's first wife. Um, and it's a, it's literally a story of just coercion and manipulation. It's so aggressive. It's insane what happens to this woman. Basically, it, I won't spoil too much of it so you can do your own like investigative research and stuff, but like Tobin is just painted as this, which is true, he's exposed as this malicious, evil, sort of like bastard. Um, and this started very early in his youth, I think he was 23, um, when he basically forces his first wife to marry him, um, and it takes her about a year to escape that relationship. His first wife also brings into question, she, she has this great quote where she's like, what was he doing? you know, between the, the 70s to the 2000s, because I believe his first assault of her was in the 60s, like the late 60s. So mm. he was very aggressive in his youth. And people like that don't stop. They don't stop. They just escalate, right? Yeah, um, yeah, just one after the other. Exactly. So in terms of escalation, I'll talk about a little bit about uh, Tobin's other victims. So Vicky Hamilton was 15 years old. She disappeared in 1991. Uh, she was later found in Tobin's backyard. Uh, she was found 16 years later oh after, she, after her disappearance. Yep. It was said that Tobin kept her remains for a period of like six weeks, I think, before he transported her 500 miles away from where she disappeared. 18-year-old Dinah McNichol disappeared six months after Vicky. When her body was found, again, it wasn't until 16 years later. So based on this, it seems that Tobin had the ability to basically hide his crimes for a long time. 
And police say that when they discovered the the um, victims, they had been buried very sophisticatedly, sophisticatedly. And where they were buried was actually in the backyard of Tobin's house. So he had moved into this place. His neighbor is in these interviews as well, saying that uh, one day he came, he comes outside and he looks over the fence and Tobin's digging a hole and he asks him like, what, what's going on? And apparently Tobin responds that he's like, he's building some sort of fire pit or something like that. I think it was. Um, but the next day the neighbor had come out and it was all level again. So clearly he was burying bodies at this point. Um, so he keeps those two women, you know, like away from their families, away from rest, buried in the backyard of his house. And unf- like, unfortunately for in- for the family, well, not unfortunately, but in terms of closure, it's unfortunate. Luis was not found in this garden. However, investigators believe that she may be buried in another garden on one of the many, many properties that Tobin lived in because he traveled so much. He was always staying in different places, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, look at, look at Vic, uh, sorry, Vicky. She was, he kept her for like six weeks and then transported her uh, from Glasgow uh, to where he eventually stayed in uh, Margate. There's an address in Brighton that they really kind of narrow in on in this in this TV show. The police have never searched this address. Uh, the address does have a garden, and Tobin lived there in 1988, so the year that Louise disappeared. Uh, the owners of the property, I understand the, them to be like members of the like the government or the police force or it's owned by some people who just don't want it to be searched so that's where i'm sorry what they don't want it yeah. to be solved yep um and <sighs> in terms of like tying louise's disappearance to tobin this is where things get even more kind of uh, messed up and sinister so in 1987 a father and his daughter are near beachy head and they make a really grisly discovery, right? They're walking um, and they come to some underbrush, some thick bush, and they find the remains of a person. Uh, this person is identified as 22-year-old Jesse Earl, who had at this stage been missing for nine years. Uh, her remains were found, of course, in the underbrush, and they were found not too far from where Luis was said to have dis- disappeared. Jesse's murder itself has remained unsolved, but investigators think there might be ties between Jesse and Louise and Peter Tobin. Louise's disappearance remains partially unsolved. I suppose there there are leads right now, and there's been a massive push from the community to investigate this garden in Brighton. I think there was a petition that was signed, uh, but authorities refuse to do so. For what reason, I'm not sure. Um, the people who want to conduct the search have said that they would be you know, in and out within a week if they didn't find something, you know, that they would uh, re- return the garden to a better state that they left it in. I don't know what the reasons are for, for yeah, them not why, wanting... Why would you want to leave yeah. the family in the lurch mm. and also potentially have a body under you? Ugh. Yeah, so so let's, let's think about this. Let's tie this together, right? Peter Tobin killed two women, buried them in, in his garden um, of where he lived when he killed them, right? So he lived there and then he he moved there like basically and took the bodies that like took one body to a place and then killed another person and buried the people he was killing on the property that he lived in. In 1988, he lived in a property, a girl on this also on the like south coast of, you know, 
uh, in a town where he's said to have worked in a hotel at one stage, goes missing. So he's a convicted murderer that's said to have lived in the town or worked in the town that she lived in, that she went missing from, and yet they won't search the property that he lived in of the year that she went missing when he has yeah, previously buried people in his back. There's so many boxes that like line up and you yeah. know, crossing all the T's and dotting the I's when it comes to there's a very good chance that there is mm. someone buried in there. Like, this is not a joke. Yeah. Like, fucking take it seriously. Right. I, I just don't know. I'd love to know why, if there's some sort of, like, weird thing that why they won't look into it. I don't understand. To be a fly on that wall for that conversation. Oh, Jesus. Hey, authorities refuse to, to allow people to search it. Like I said, I'm not sure. From what I've seen in this series of what I've seen from articles online everybody thinks including the family of Luis you know that Peter Tobin is some way connected is in some way connected authorities say that the way that he has killed people in the past past is very like sophisticated right and it's like he knows what he's doing and his experience with this and investigators think that you know this is someone who is is getting away with stuff like this and um feels confident in doing that so, you know, could Peter Tobin be connected to these two women? Are there more women? And in general, the sheer scale of, like, unsolved murders and young women that have oh, gone God, missing. Yeah. I'd, yeah. It's, there's so is. I, yeah. I'd i put money on that. I mean, obviously, not a yeah. nice thing to say, but yeah. Like, yeah. I'm convinced. <laughs> yeah, and, and so was the so was the investigator that that like runs this. Basically, is the only one looking into this right now. Like to to the extent that he is, he is absolutely a hundred percent sure. He's even said that he's completely certain that they would find something. God, basically, like, yeah, it I'm, just I, makes no I, sense. I mean, obviously, like you know, don't go digging up random people's gardens, but like. I, I would so take one for the team. Just and get arrested. Destroy their fucking garden just to give some family like peace of mind. Like know, we so found sad. it. And it's just so heartbreaking because it's like Eloise's dad, you know, and her friends are alive, but oh, her mom's yeah. passed away, never got the closure she needed. And this is an 18 year old girl, you know, like the amount of people that go missing, women go missing in the UK, are murdered in the UK, people aren't, you know, uh, they're not, you know, held to accountability and like, justice isn't served for these women like sarah everard's case just like yeah. till still today you've got members of who were supposed to be the most like trusted in society theoretically you know who are absolutely despicable and just like using their their status and women are just always at risk like the, the take back the night pro protests you know with um uh oh i mean did you hear the bloody oh, i don't I saw something on TikTok and then I've seen bits and pieces on Reddit, but April 24th, have you heard about that? Yep, yep. International, like, sexual, like, it's a it's uh, a day of awareness for people who are assaulted. Oh, not just that, but people are going to, um, yeah. basically, there's, like, uh, extremist um, groups saying that, you know, they're going to make a show of that day yeah. and um, actually act on those things i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna even say give yeah. it any more power than it deserves yeah, exactly but, um, just, yeah just yeah oh, this, um, this is a, such a common trend it's awful. yeah like the, with the take back the night protest when there was uh women you know in the uk being murdered there there were suggestions for women curfew for women because you know, because of the actions of what like yeah. what was a man like a man's actions and what is often a man's actions do you know what i'm saying it's exactly, all, yeah. yeah. Women are consistently like per persecuted for stuff that we're not doing, you know. Um, I don't think there's enough empathy, not enough willingness oh, dude, to like, understand. It's, it's, 
it's crazy people just don't think like the amount of like we're taught from a young age to suspect mm-hmm. everybody and be cautious of everybody like how Mm-hmm. If I go out for like a run or something, I take my keys with me mm-hmm. and they are in my hand the entire time so that I can use them to stab someone if they mm. fucking try me, you know, like. I don't, when I don't get into my car off of a curb, unless I can see the underside of my car, because I've heard horror stories yes. of people having yeah. their Achilles slashed by people who hide under their cars. Like, you don't get into a, you don't get into your car door if there's a van on the left or right side of you. Like, you know what I mean? I get into an opposite, like, you don't walk by yourself it's insane i just i've like set my car light to um turn on basically Mm. when i unlock it so at night time like the whole interior of the cab is lit up so i can see if anyone's in there um do you know uh, there was a, a a chat that was going around the other day about how like when you get to your car and you're with a man say and you're most of the time they'll unlock the car when they get to the door Mm. Whereas women generally will lock their car, unlock their car the perfect distance away for them to get into it without having to wait at the door, but also not far enough away so that nobody has the chance to get in the car before them. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You unlock your car at the perfect distance to not be assaulted. Like it's so fucked and you don't even if know if you're I'm, doing if it. If I'm going out and I'm driving my car, I will park it as close to the restaurant or in like severely lit areas. So there's no chance of it being dark or anything like that like and there's that the amount of precautions we take there's that ongoing discussion and it's like well men will say yeah well i'm scared to walk at night too and it's like well what are you scared of picture who's other men picture who's hurting (laughs) you is it a man like yeah most of the time it is like and then they've got people who are like no it's a woman and you know everybody's entitled to their own fears and stuff but like Mm. realistically and statistically it's like statistically more often than not like violence against people is usually perpetrated by a man like Mm -hmm. yes there are female um females that you know commit the violence too but more often than not Mm -hmm. it is a man whether he's doing it to a woman or another man it is a man yeah um and there's something in there like it's a systemic thing whereas i feel like it's education based like you know what i mean there are a lot of allowances made for behavior and stuff and not enough focus on like on actual emotionality which i think is a very important thing for people to learn about like i mean i just i feel like in general i mean just you know check your friends like Mm. if like i've i've got mates right that are guys and they've you know we've had a couple beers we've been joking around like and they'll say something that isn't okay and Mm. it's not just like oh that upsets me no like it's just it it's not okay in terms of how they view women and just the the topic itself is very like like you know promoting rape culture mm. and i've called them out and i'm like look like i love you guys but that's not okay and i don't want that kind of stuff mm. spoken of like that's just no and mm-hmm. they they go oh shit and then once you explain it and you know like look this is why and they're like oh my god i'd never thought of it that way mm-hmm. and then it's it doesn't need to be like this big scary thing it's literally just have a chat with your mates if they start saying stuff that's not okay and you know if they're good people they'll change their ways and if not then you kind of know what type of person they are and yeah yeah. and also the people who say like i'm too scared that i'm going to be in trouble it's like generally speaking people that won't do something bad don't have that fear (laughs) like yeah like if you're scared you're going to get in trouble it's generally because you might do something that will put you in trouble not necessarily and like a lot of people don't have that fear 
you know, I know plenty of guys who aren't scared they're going to get in trouble for sexual assault because they would never sexually assault someone. <laughs> like, mm. it's just that thing, right? Um, this case is ongoing. Um, if you do have any sort of information, whether you may have seen something, heard something about Luis or Jesse, both of their cases remain unsolved, which is just so sad for their families. Um, we'll have pictures of them on the Instagram post from this week's episode uh, relating to this story. And if you have any information uh, on missing people in general, you can, in the UK specifically, you can go to www.missingpeople.org.uk um, and there's a contact us page on there. That is the disappearance of Louise Kay um, and the murders. I want to say murders. I mean, Jesse Earl's case is still unsolved. Um, the murder of Jesse Earl, Vicky Hamilton, and Dinah Mick. And Peter Tobin's a piece of fucking shit. Yeah, P- Peter Tobin can suck a dick. He can literally suck a fat one. I'm so sick of him. <laughs> I'm literally so fucking sick of him. I wanted to punch him square in the fucking jaw, Ray. Uh, like when you just I I I fully I fully get that like you watch a documentary or something and it's just like you literally witnessing something so horrible and you just oh uh, you want to reach through the screen and strangle the fucker like <laughs> like Jesse Earl was going for a walk and she died because someone decided to take her life like Louise was sleeping at the beach you know like freaking Vicky was fifteen years old like they. It's just preying on people and just like these sickos that just, fuck, it just makes me want to, it really makes me question humanity sometimes. Eh? Being a woman is so scary sometimes. I, I mean, it, sound, it's, it might sound silly to, to some of you, but um, I was driving home the other day from my mum's place. And you know when you just like, you notice something and you're like, oh, that's a bit weird. And then you kind of just it's in the forefront of your mind like I was driving home and I noticed this car behind me mm-hmm. and like it did something weird and then it followed me the entire way home like whether or not it actually was you know following me or it just was going in the same direction I was but like it felt like it was fucking following me mm. and it just gave me so much stress yeah. and like I actually drove past my Good. like I drove past my place. I didn't stop out. Always do that in front of it. Always do that. And did like a a quick little ten minute circuit. Yeah. Um, just to make sure. And then yeah, got home and like the car was gone type of thing. But that just that kind of shit. Like I shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, when people tell you, if anyone out there is telling you that you're overdoing it, I would rather fucking overdo it than be dead. Do you know what I mean? Like I would rather make the. I would rather be really suspicious and have a real bad gut feeling then be dead who gives a fuck at the end of the day if you overdo it at least you're not dead do you know what i mean yeah just yeah be be aware and like i know it's it's shitty but yeah look out for one another yeah and men keep an eye on your friends too because yeah like you guys are you guys are so important in this equation as well like you you are a big part of fixing things yeah. as well so yeah you were like the fly on the wall right you could be the spy in the situation like people aren't gonna like men other men like dangerous men aren't gonna look at you and think you're gonna like you know do, like dog is dog the men or do, like tell them they're not gonna, dob them yeah, in, yeah dob them in because they're gonna look at you and be like ah yes he's like me but you know what just watch listen make sure that you you take note of the people around you. I think it's important. What's a positive thing to end on? We have a website in the works, y'all. Yes, yes, we have a website in the works. Um, super exciting. And we can't wait to share it with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't don't expect it to happen 
overnight shit takes time you gotta get perfect but uh, thank you to everyone that has emailed honestly i love reading your emails like it's it's like an exciting thing of my day like oh my god who's who's message now like honestly love it so definitely keep those coming in um super super cool yeah so that is the episode it was very heavy today but we feel like real talk is important here you know we did something sort of light last time um I feel like we always want to talk about uh, unsolved cases and missing persons um, and stuff like that because it does bring an element of, uh, I, I, what's the word, an element of intrigue, intrigue, mystery, exposure as well. Like that's what it is. It's it's not only is it interesting for us because there's something so morbidly interesting about the most terrible things that happen to people, but also it exposes people who don't know the faces of people who might be missing or like, you know, that that are crimes that are unsolved it exposes that information to more people which i think is important you can email the podcast <laughs> like we said before at shit that scares us at a uh, pod shit that scares us pod at gmail.com and uh yeah follow follow us on instagram to keep up to date with all the awesome gory bits and bobs and see all the cool pictures from our little investigation and that's it thank you guys so much for your time thanks for hanging out as per usual we really appreciate it uh and i guess we'll see you next week yeah bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs>